0: Okay, everybody hear me pretty good, pretty well? I'm not used to these things. When I preach, um, it's usually a, a crowd about this size, but the building is about an eighth this size. So I usually, I usually just count on my voice to, to project to the back. And uh, you know, not too used to these things, but we'll, we'll get over it. Good evening, how is everybody tonight? Pretty good? I want to extend a thank you to, uh, to those who have asked me to do this. And hopefully I can, you can tell I have not had much experience with one of these. Okay, maybe that'll get it. It's a pleasure to be here this evening. And like I said, I wanna thank those who um, are responsible, I suppose, for asking me to do this. I got the call from David, couple weeks ago, and he said he needed somebody to preach on uh, Sunday night, and um, I said, sure. I didn't hesitate. Um, I preach on a regular basis. Uh, my wife uh, travels with me wherever I go. There's two or three places that, uh, that I, I'm in somewhat of a normal rotation. Uh, I preach a little bit for my grandfather. Uh, that's maybe every other month or so when he'll have me preach for him. I've preached for her father and for my father as well, and there are a few other places, so I, I really enjoy doing it. Um, i 've held full time positions i 've held part time positions uh, just kind of a quick background on me. You guys have heard me lead singing a little bit i 've taught a few classes um, this will be the first time I've i 've had uh, the opportunity to preach here and uh, when I was going through school i didn 't want to be a preacher because my grandfather and my father were preachers and I just for whatever reason i didn 't want to follow in their footsteps but here I am uh, long story short i 'm um, now a preacher as well and i I guess I'm kind of third generation, sort of, because it's my mother's father who's the preacher, and then my father. So I'm kind of a third generation preacher, kind of a second generation preacher, but uh, anyway, I enjoy doing it, and again, uh, I do thank you for the opportunity. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, we're going to look at a few passages this evening, but this is the main theme. This is where I want to start, and this is what I want us to continually bring our minds back to. Uh, I thought about this lesson. I thought about what I wanted to do. And of course, if you've been here on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings, we've been going through Acts and we've been going through some of what the church did uh, when it started. We've looked here a few weeks ago at the deacons, their responsibilities, the elders. We've looked at how the deacons were created, why they were created. And we've looked at the necessary components, if you will, that men had to have, their qualifications, and of course, we we looked at that in depth, but we've been looking at the beginning of the church and uh, where it was started, how it was started, and those types of things. I myself am a student of history, Um, I love to read history, it doesn't matter really what time period, Um, I'm just a huge fan of history. You can ask my wife, I've got books scattered all over the house on my side of the bed. I've got a couple of bookshelves that are full, and it doesn't matter, I can just pick it up and I can, I can read it, um, and I taught a class Wednesday night, and I, I told the class that there are certain pages, uh, there are certain places on the internet that you can go, certain, uh, certain encyclopedias, one of them is called Wikipedia, you're probably well, well aware of that. I could start, if I wanted to, in the morning researching a certain topic, and I could stay on that site until the late that night because if, you know, if, you're, familiar, if you're familiar with Wikipedia, uh, it is a site where you can go and you can research things completely free, but each page has several links that will lead you to another place. And it's easy to start in this particular, this particular spot and if you could diagram what you did the whole day or the, the time that you spend on there, it would kind of sprout out like a tree because you would go down this way for a little bit and then you'd come back, and then you'd go this way, and then you'd take another, another limb this way, and then, you know, you'd have a whole root system or a whole system of branches, and that's me. I can just, I really do enjoy history. I love reading about it. Well, in this lesson, I wanted to look uh, kind of at the history of. I've titled this lesson the history of salvation, or the history of man as it pertains to salvation, or you could say the history of man and salvation. If there was anywhere in the Bible that summed up our history and our purpose in a very short amount of verses, uh, it's in Hebrews chapter 1. And I was reading Hebrews, I believe it was last year when we were uh, reading through the Bible in the, uh, the daily Bible readings. As you know now, we're doing the, the, the Bible in a chrono, chronological order. Uh, last year we were doing it um, not necessarily in chronological order, but that's the first time I had ever, I, I read pretty much the entire Bible. Um, there were some, some weeks that I, that I kind of struggled a little bit. For the most part, though, I, I made it through. And one passage really stuck out in Hebrews, and I've read it several times, as you have as well, and it really hit me. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Follow along with me, if you will. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. Whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the power of his word, or by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And in those three verses, as I said, you have the entire history of mankind as far as we're concerned with what Christ came to do. In those three verses, you have creation was included, if you notice that. You also have how he used to communicate with us. Then you have the fact that he came to communicate with us. And then you have his destination after he came to us. You have all of those things in those three verses. So the Hebrew writer, whoever it was, was definitely, uh, definitely a brilliant thinker uh, and definitely could write, could write very well. Uh, right there you have, again, a very broad but brief history of mankind. You know, as man likes to write, think about certain, certain writers in history. You have Shakespeare. If Shakespeare were writing the history of mankind, this would be much, much longer. One of the sources that I used for this lesson is a name that you're, you'll be familiar with, that of Josephus. I have Josephus' Antiquities, uh, and they're all condensed in one volume, and it's very, very thick and dense. And of course, he was a historian, as was Herodotus before him. Uh, he dealt with anything and everything. But his, antiqu- his antiquities are very, very, very thick, very dense. And you look at Hebrews chapter 1, and you see here's the entire history of mankind and salvation with Jesus Christ in three verses. And I think that shows that this was divinely inspired, and that shows that the Bible is the true word of God. Now think about today today. When we were singing the song just now, Until the Storm Passes By, my wife and I can literally understand why that song was written and perhaps the context of the author when he wrote that song, when he put those words to music, or whoever did that. Because two weeks ago, my wife and I missed, I should say, the tornado that came through Murfreesboro missed my wife and I by about 500 yards. And that is no exaggeration. We were at my sister's house. She lives on one of the streets that you saw in the news where about a quarter of a mile wide path of houses is now gone or seriously damaged. And we had gotten to my sister's house just in time. She has a basement, that's why we went there. We got there just in time. We went inside, we watched a little bit of the weather. I happened to go out on the porch and and see the funnel cloud. Of course, by this time, my wife was already in the basement. I, by this time, turned around and had run back in in time to run down in the basement myself. And by the time we got down on our hands and knees, it had passed until the storm passes by, you know, very quick, 30 seconds at the most, and you had total destruction. And you think about other events that happen in our lives today. What about our lives today? What events are taking place right now that are gonna be historically relevant? You think about the economy right now. What's going on with the economy? We're in a recession. Um, Not too terribly long ago, in the grand scheme of things, this country had what was called a Great Depression. My grandparents talk a lot about it. They talk a lot about the things that they had to save and the fact that they never got rid of anything. Um, They they wanted to hold on to anything and everything because you never know when something like that was going to happen again. It was a very devastating time in the history of this country, so we're looking at Something like a recession, something not quite as severe, but a recession nonetheless today, we see other things that are going on. we have, as I mentioned uh, storms happening, destruction, we also have war. We have more than one war and we look back in ten years, 20 years, uh, we say, well what was what was historically relevant at the time? What are historians going to talk about? what are they going to write about uh, if we look at Things like the History Channel or the Military Channel. We look back at past conflicts that have shaped our world and that have shaped this country. We look back to 9-11. Before that, maybe Pearl Harbor. Of course, the wars, World War I and World War II. We look at the Civil War. We look at the Revolution. We look at moments in this country's and this world's history that have shaped the world and that have placed us where we are now. So if we look at the book of Hebrews in the first chapter, in the first three verses, and we ask ourselves, well, let's take a look at where did, what is the history of salvation? What is the history of the church? What is our history when it comes to our salvation and why we're here tonight? And what we're going to do this evening is we're just going to break down these three verses and we're going to look at a few things. Um, some of them might be a little bit more obscure than what you would select if, if you were going to study this, and that's fine. Um, but I wanted to kind of dig a little deeper, I wanted to show a few things that maybe we don't think about, maybe perhaps some, some of us do, but they're going to be integral to our history nonetheless, and they always will be, whether it's a thousand years in the past or a thousand years in the future. And the word was mentioned this morning, and that was hope. It was a very powerful word. Because if you think about the history of mankind, the history of mankind is very empty, and the future of mankind is very empty without that one word, and that is hope. And that's what the Hebrew writer is talking about here. He throws in a little bit of hope with the history. So we're gonna look at each point, and then we're going to see the hope. And there's gonna be, be desperation with every one of the points, but then there's also gonna be hope. So let's look at the first one. He says, he says in verse one, he uses the phrase, old days. Long ago, many times, many ways. Um, The old days, I believe, can encompass a wide range of time here. Uh, He talks about the prophets. We talk about last days or the former days. Well, I've started in Genesis chapter three, in the very beginning of man. Now there's much dispute as to when life arose, how long we've been here. If you listen to certain programs, if you read certain things, the earth and the universe several billion years old. I'm no scientist, I'm not a biologist, um, I'm not sure what the answer is. It's amazing to me that so many years ago, during Bible times, and during times after that, that men could look up into the stars and they could say to themselves, there has to be a God, there has to be somebody who created this. It's just too beautiful. But as we've grown, I suppose as history has sort of rumbled along, we have gone from that to looking at these same things, and we can look at them through the, the, the eyes of a telescope. We've sent telescopes into space, and we can, look, we can look so far away. We can see things that were so unimaginable so many years ago. But instead of solidifying the fact that God exists, what have we done? As a culture, as a world, we've said, well, this is proof that God doesn't exist. Now how that is exactly possible is beyond me. Another thing, Shanta and I are new, we're, I guess, an aunt and uncle for the second time. My sister had a baby, a little girl, uh, yesterday morning at about 2.40, 2.40 in the morning. And we stood right outside the door as that little baby was delivered. And it was amazing because a few seconds before, there was no crying. And then, of course, at 2.39, the crying started, which mean that, meant that we had a baby, or that we, uh, my sister had a baby. And about 20 minutes after that, the father, my brother-in-law, walked out with his little girl. And you could look at that little girl and, and you could ask yourself, what in the world would anybody want to harm this little child? Why would anybody want to do that? But that's, that's the way that our culture is. That's the way that our society has, has, hard, has hardened itself. And I don't understand why that is. But In Genesis chapter 3, we obviously know what happens here. You have Adam and Eve. You have the Garden of Eden. The setting is one of where God can walk with his creation. He walks and talks with man. And, of course, we know the story Satan the adversary uh, comes along and says, uh, if you want to be as smart as God, here's what you need to do. It's basically the opposite of what God had told them to do. And of course, you go from being in a relationship with God to sinning through what Satan has said, had, told for them, had told them to do. You go from a perfect society to one of desperation. They were kicked out of the garden. They were forced out because of the sin that Satan had, uh, had deceived them by. But you see the hope. You see the hope in verse 15. Chapter 3, verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. As many of you know, that is a prophecy concerning Jesus Christ. So from the very beginning, you have a way of escape. You have a perfect utopia, so to speak. You have sin, destruction, which comes in and separates God from man. Separates man from God. But God took care at the very beginning to provide a way of escape. And that right there was a prophecy concerning Christ. Think about Jacob. This is maybe a little, um, a little more obscure, but I think it, it, it kind of hits the point that I'm looking for. Think about Jacob. What happened to Jacob? How did he start his life? Of course, it was Jacob and Esau, and he was a child of promise. He was, through Isaac, he was going to preserve the line. Of course, God had spoken to Abraham and had said, I'm going to number your descendants. You're not going to be able to number your descendants. They're going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And of course, there was Isaac, and then Jacob and Esau. So Jacob was one of these sons of promise. He was one of the original uh, Fathers of the nation, or he was one of the um, one of the, one of those who were there, who was there in the beginning. And this was very interesting about Jacob. If you read about his life, he starts, of course, and we know that he is the grandson of Abraham. He has a lot of promise. But what happens? He does some deceitful things there in his life, and in a way, he kind of becomes a coward. Because if you read the story, he runs from his brother. He runs and works for Laban. And then, of course, how he leaves Laban is kind of suspect. And then you come down to chapter 32, Genesis. Jacob fears Esau again. Beginning in verse 22, we have an interesting story where Jacob wrestles with God. And what happens here? In verse 26, uh, well, let's go back to 25. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place uh, Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. So here you have a very important time in the history of Israel. This is what it goes back to. His name was changed, and therefore you have the beginning of, I suppose, the tribe of Israel. So Jacob began as a child of promise, and then his life sort of fell on top of itself, Was flipped upside down and became somewhat sort of someone who was on the run, a coward perhaps. But here at this moment, he wrestled with God and he lived and he received the blessing. And next, turn with me, if you will, to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 31. While you're turning there, one of the men I mentioned earlier, by the name of Josephus, was a historian. He was a Jew, and like the other historians throughout history, of course, he had a reason for why he wanted to record history. We say that we wanna study history, we wanna know history to avoid repeating the same mistakes. Well, history is written down for a purpose, and here's what he said. Those who undertake to write histories do not, I perceive, take that trouble on one and the same account, but for many reasons. Others there are who of necessity and by force are driven to write history because they are concerned in facts and so cannot excuse themselves from committing them to writing for the advantage of posterity. There are not a few who are induced to draw their historical facts out of darkness into light and to produce them for the benefit of the public on account of the great importance of the facts themselves which with, with which they have been concerned. So here you have from the mouth of Josephus, and we'll look a little bit later at what this man has to say about Jesus, but the reason for the writing of the history. Again, take that in context of the history of man and salvation. It's very important that we know uh, our history Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 33. Think about Israel. We just looked at the very beginnings of Israel. Now we come down to a prophet, one uh, in Hebrews chapter one, verses one to three, a man who spoke by the, he spoke the divine nature of God. Um, they were a chosen race of God, that being Israel. They had forfeited this inheritance, and they would continue to forfeit that inheritance. If you know your, his, uh, your, your Jewish history, there was a time between the periods when God was silent. But in Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 33, it reads, this, it reads, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, So again what's the one word that we place in our history that uh, that makes it that makes it so so rich and so beautiful that's the word hope we think about the old days or the last days or the days from before and then we we see what what happened and then of course we we know that uh, things start well they usually don't end very well or there's there's a part in the middle where things go badly but Then you you throw the word hope in. There's always a way of escape provided. And we can can see that as an example all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Now back to Hebrews chapter one. Back to Hebrews chapter one. Come on down to verse two. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. He has spoken to us by his son. We know that there was a time in history when God himself came to earth as a man and walked among us, and preached. First of all, let's look at John the Baptist. We know that God spoke through prophets. And then of course, God went silent. And John lays the groundwork for Christ. In Matthew, the third chapter, in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of By the prophet Isaiah when he said the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord make his paths straight we also see Jesus himself of course we know that the old law was established we also know that the old law was imperfect we know that Jesus was the perfect law of God we see this in Matthew chapter 16 beginning in verse 13 of course among other places Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, Peter, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I spoke of Josephus just a moment ago. Here was a direct quote from Josephus about the Christ. Again, take in mind that Josephus was a Jew. Now there was about this time Jesus a wise man if it be lawful to call him a man for he was a doer of wonderful works a teacher of such men as received the truth with pleasure he drew over to him both many of the Jews and many of the Gentiles he was the Christ and when Pilate at the suggestion of the principal men among us had condemned him to the cross those that loved him at the first did not forsake him for he appeared to them alive again the third day as the divine prophets had foretold these and 10,000 other wonderful things concerning him. And the tribe of Christians, so named for him, are not extinct at this day. A wonderful quote by Josephus concerning our Lord and Savior. And then, of course, another way that his law was made known unto us, disciples and apostles. There was a way to God at one point, but it was quite a restricted way. of course, once Jesus ushered the new kingdom in, the way was opened for all. So again, we look at these last days, and we can see again that there is hope. There was a point when there was communication between God and between man, just like in the garden. And of course, the rebellious people that we are, that communication line had been severed. But there was a way of escape, and that was Jesus himself. He once again brought hope. And lastly, we look and see that Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of God. Jesus himself ascended to be back with the Father. And we know that in the future. And as I suppose this is the future, he is now our mediator. He is perfect. We are imperfect. And of course, he gives us the chance for salvation. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 to 3, is an amazing snippet of our history. Again, if you look at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, you can see all of the history that pertains to our lives as Christians and the church can be summed up in these three verses. Again, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, Verse 8, but of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. It's a wonderful passage there in Hebrews, the first chapter. It tells us, again, our history, our history as it pertains to our salvation. The question remains concerning that word hope. Have you experienced that hope? Is this something that you can say that I am numbered with those that count themselves as Christians. I am in the family. I am in the church. I am a part of the church. We look at everything that I've said tonight. They start off so, so beautifully and they start off so, so well. But there's something in the middle. There's something that's imperfect that's added. And, of course, that is us. That, that is when we, we try to live out our will instead of God's. But if you notice, you go back to the very beginning. There's always a way of escape. That word hope, again... Think about the history of this world and think about all of the dark times. Think about all the bad things that have happened in the world. And bad things will continue to happen. But we know as Christians, by what we've studied tonight and by the book of Hebrews, among many others, that that word hope, when injected into our history as a church, our history as a people, and the history of salvation, we know that we always have that hope. We know that we can come home and we know that someday we will be with God in heaven. So This evening, if you have never obeyed the voice of God, you've never obeyed that, that perfect will of Jesus, then the invitation is extended to you this evening. Um, the water is, is ready. We are all ready as a family to accept you and be baptized into Christ this very evening. Be baptized and ask for forgiveness of your sins. You'll be raised a new creature. You will be raised to walk a new life. Also, if you have been and you are a member of the church, if you've lost sight of that hope, if you are, if you are needing the prayers of the congregation at this time, the invitation is also extended to you.